So this is uh, study session four, uh, the fourth and uh, the last one uh, on our journey of the Genji Farm. And again, what I was saying at the beginning, what we were saying that this is the, what we're attempting to do is initiate something that we have to keep uh, on, keep alive, as long as we are practicing. Because as long as we're looking at it, we are going to see deeper and deeper and further and further into what we uh, have initiated uh, in this study. So, uh, session four. Um, so last time we, we ended with um, the paragraph that talks about firewood. Uh, what, what, chap what the number is that? Firewood becomes... So, and I want to I wanna add something to that. Uh, which I think is mentioned also in the book, uh, from the Shobo Genzo, classical um, called Zenki, Total Dynamic Function. Dogen says, the life of this present moment is within this function. This function is within the life of this present moment. Life is not coming, life is not going, life is not appearing, life is not becoming, and yet, Life is the manifestation of the total function. And death is the manifestation of the total function. We should know that among the numberless dharmas in the self, there is life and there is death. So, what's important in that is that you know, life is not becoming, life does not appear, life does not disappear, right? And then life is the manifestation of the total function, and death is equally a manifestation of the total function, or totality. Right? So totality functions, uh, actualizes in life and in death, through life and through death. So maybe a few minutes, let's explore that to connect it to what we did last time. Um, in relation to that, uh, Sugiyaku and I talked a little bit about it afterwards, right? About uh, what does it mean in relation to firewood and ash, and that everything has its own Dharma position. And this is another way to explain, that is explaining that everything has its own Dharma position. Life has its own Dharma position, death has its own Dharma position. And both are equally, uh, equal representation of Total dynamic, total function. I think I think the labeling the water into the bucket and, and back into the universe is, yep. is a great description because the, the um, it's the same it's the same um, I don't know uh, emptiness everywhere within boundaries and without boundaries. So within the boundary of form. Life is in that form, and then life gets pulled back into where it came from. <coughs> not bound by boundaries. Not bound. By boundaries. Yeah. To not be bound by boundaries. Yeah. Right. Which means to not ignore boundaries. To not ignore it, because it's there, right? But to be aware that it does not have at the same time. Anything else? 
Yeah. No, I was reading a book, and has, the book is about lessons from history. And the guy at one point at the beginning, <coughs> looking at history from different aspects, but one of the things he says, you know, the man likes to die as a hero, but the universe doesn't care. Mm. And it stuck to me a little mm -hmm. bit, and it, it comes to me what has to do with life and death, yeah. and yeah. you know where we are, right. how we want to be seen. Right. How what actually it is. To think, say again. And what actually it is. Yes. Yeah. And and it seems right. And then in a way, you know, there's a dichotomy there between what we do and what's going on. Right? We function from a different place. You know, we don't function from total dynamics of functioning. We function from a very limited place. And then because of that, there are such issues. Right? So then how do we merge? How do we merge this one with everything else? We have to have our realization of our weaknesses and finish. No, yeah. no fixed self. Right, it brings back to the, what we talked about before about uh, emptiness, empty, being empty of separate existence. Chinese character for this word, 
but the hiragana character instead. Hiragana and katakana are two systems used in the Japanese phonetic alphabet. So the three, I'm gonna just go through that quickly. The three Chinese characters read as Sotori in Japanese are kaku, go, and sho. Kaku is awakening, or as in waking up from a dream and seeing reality as it is. So that's kaku. Go can be translated as having the clarity of being in, al in alignment with reality and knowing how to move without hesitation. And show can be translated as experiential verification or knowing through direct experience rather than through intellectual reasoning. Now, Mula writes that it is not clear which of these Chinese characters Dogen intended in this section of the Genji Koan. So perhaps he used hiragana in this case in order to allow Satori to be interpreted with any or all three of the above meanings. And for us, it's important not to get caught up in any single interpretation. Right? The, the breakthrough of Satori, of realization, happens as a result of direct experience, which means being in alignment with reality as it is, and also means personally verifying. That's what direct experience does. Right? As in the expression when you drink water or tea, you know exactly, you know immediately whether it is cold or hot. It is direct, but it has to do with picking it up, bringing it to your lips, and actually taking a chance. Right? You don't know until you, you try. So you don't go by explanations, you go by actual experience. So let's look at it together. Actually, let, let's open it up now. Let's see where you're at. So reading this, or reading it again now, reading it before, any thoughts, any questions? <coughs> so when a person attains realization, it is like the moon reflecting reflection in the water. The moon never becomes wet. The water is never disturbed. Although the moon is vast, in gray is reflected in a drop of water. What does that mean? Yes, it is. The moon reflected in the water. So the entire, so even in a dewdrop, right? even in a dewdrop, the moon is reflected in the same way that it would be reflected in the vast ocean. What does it mean in relation to us? Does it mean that each individual dharma contains everything? Yeah, but again, let's make it let's let's make it personal. Let's let's make it intimate. What does it mean about you? Mm. What is reflected in you mm. equally as in others? Mm. The question. I got it. <laughs> 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 I'm waiting for the answer. <laughs> Isn't the moon everything? Isn't the moon the life and is reflected through us and the, the drop which is us can be a bigger drop, a smaller drop, but it's still the moon? The moon is a depiction. The moon in, in, is, is used, has been used uh, as, as a depiction of realization. Right? That's you know, that, that image. So he's using that image here. <laughs> 
uh, already a few minutes from the three different examples of this uh, the moon being used before Dobe by the Buddha and then by the you know the sixth patriarch and then anyway so the other times it's been used right and different points but again personally what does it mean that's where it matters that it is already there that it is inherent I am already Okay. Mm -hmm. I will be at the same time, right? At the same time. Why at the same time? I think that has to do with it. It is always reflected, right? It is always. Yeah. And yet. But we have to, to see it. And it's also not disturbed. Right, because if you're shaking it, you must be able to see it disturbed. It does not. You need to be able to be calm, you need to be able to have a clear mind to be able to see. It does not appear, it does not disappear. The reflection doesn't make it, and disturbing the reflection doesn't. Doesn't change the wall. Doesn't destroy it. Right. But it's a, reflect, it's, it's a reflection, therefore, it is how we see it. On a quiet mind, there are no waves. You see clear. You see clear. But then it's not external. No, it's there. The reflection yeah. is there. If it's the moon, it's a light in the dark. It's a light in the dark, okay. So then what is the light showing? What, what is, okay, let's just start to say, what is it telling us? Really, what is it telling us? What is it showing us? What is Dogen trying to tell us? That we all have a true nature, and that coming from compassion. Yeah, let's see. we'll get to compassion. Let's just, just you know, uh, compassion, uh, of course, essential, right? But compassion has to do with the way it's actualized, the way the understanding is actualized. Right. This is talking about what we have to understand, and then from where we need to actualize, from where do we move. Right, so this is at the level of seeing reality as it is, not creating our own or version of it. Now let, let's look at those examples, maybe about the two the three examples. The common image, he says that though it is evoking common image. So the Buddha said the true Dharma body of the Buddha is like empty space, responding to things it manifests its form. It is like the moving water. Right, so this was the, in a way, the first example from the Buddha. And then uh, Vimalakirti said, was the uh, uh, disciple uh, of the Buddha, all things are without production, destruction, and duration, like magical illusions, clouds, and lightning. lightning. All things are transient, not remaining even for an instant. All things are like dreams, hallucinations, and unreal visions. All things are like the reflection of the moon in the water, and like a mirror image. They are born of mental construction. How does that uh, align with this? I don't know how this is going to come out, but yeah. because it's really, really hard to articulate. But in reading this, 
particular section, there's a couple sections that we just covered, I get this like overwhelming feeling of you know, vastness and emptiness at the same time. And for me, um, you know, the first place that my mind goes to is trying to comprehend the understanding of the fact that you know, everything that we experience right here has been the results of cause and effect over billions of years that have allowed us to evolve and experience the universe in all of its myriad forms, right? But I get this overwhelming sense when I read this of that the same feeling that I get of trying to understand that vastness, of trying to understand that everything came to be the way that it is, and that's all there is to it. And so our experiences, as limited as they are, aren't the whole picture, and, and, and nor do they do these reflections or the symbology of the moon or the droplet of water encompass the Dharma, encompass everything that there is for us to experience. Um, so I feel like I'm trying to explain something that's unexplainable, but I do get this, again, this overwhelming sense of just vastness, you know? And, and I understand the symbology of the moon and of water with, with all the things that, that we study, but it's always um, awe-inspiring to me to be able to even slightly com comprehend what that is, what that reflection of the moon in the water actually is. Well, how about what is it not? Maybe we cannot grasp what it is. Right? But what about what is it not? What about following what it is not? What about uh, trusting and believing and obeying on a daily basis? Well, we're not. Well, I, I guess what I'm, in, in part what I'm trying to say is, I don't know if this is going to come out right either, but why do we have to understand the meaning of it to appreciate it? Or, in other words, it's not, yeah, it's not coming out right. Um, to have that moment of realization yeah. and to feel something inherently known to you at that moment, mm -hmm. um, to me, isn't that the ultimate goal? Isn't it that experience, that realization that matters, rather than uh, having to understand the symbology around it? Does that make sense? Yeah, but not what we're trying to, it's not what we're trying to understand the, the, the symbol. We're, trying, we're looking at what the symbol is pointing at. We never really no, that, yeah. too much about that, yeah. right? So then the symbol is, is a tool, just a tool. So not using the word goal, but the, the symbol is a tool to point at something that's inherently there. Right. To point at something so then you, us, all of us, start to or begin to trust the different aspects of ourselves, right? Yeah. So then we don't walk around crazy thinking that there is something to protect and defend and right and then argue and fight and um, yeah. right so then to, to change that we have to so the, the symbolism is, is is for that but the point the point of that is important for us is that the indestructibility it is it is there 
but it's indestructible. Right? It doesn't matter. Whether, regardless of whether we because see it or not. Because of the Because of the totality. Right. Because it equally manifests in, in death, like any death. The totality equally manifests. Everything has its own Dharma position. Everything has its own Dharma position. Mm -hmm. But it's a position of Dharma that, that is, it's a position that, uh, that inherently manifests totality. Yes. Like that I can understand. Okay. And, and I, like, I like that phrase too, that the Dharma has its position. You know, that, that, that makes sense to me. That kind of encompasses everything. But it's not limited to that. It's important. It's not limited to that. Right. Because, it, because it's instructive. Yeah. I thought what the fourth Chinese ancestor had to say on page 130 was really interesting. Yeah, I was going to read it next, actually. I was going to oh, read it next in, in relation to that. But yeah, that's the third example uh, in uh, past examples where uh, the moon was used, the image of the moon was used. Yeah, I'll, I'll read that actually now, since you mentioned it. So, Tao um, Jin said, Then night, whether walking, standing, still sitting, or lying down, uh, if you continuously contemplate things in this way, you will know that your own body is like the moon in water, a reflection in a mirror, heat waves on a hot day, or an echo in an empty valley. You cannot say it has been, because even if you try to catch it, you cannot see its substance. You also cannot say it has no being, because it is clear in front of your eyes. So, you know, we talk about form and emptiness, and this form, right? So, essence, form, functioning. And it's our kind of like our perception of these different things in form that creates um, this fixed view that we have. But underneath that is everything. Right. It creates that idea of, you know, being like what we were saying. Being uh, uh, in the water, in the ocean, on the ship, right, and seeing the, the shore and thinking, you know, that, uh, or believing the illusion, or the, the, the optical illusion that the shore is moving and the boat is not. I am not. I am fixed and the shore is moving. Right? And that's the illusion that we have in relation to our lives. My life is fixed. I am fixed. Everything around me is moving and I'm fixed. Everything is about me. And that's, that's the, that's the uh, image, if you will, right? That's another image that is used so we can understand the fallacy of it, right? We understand the error. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, I, I think what's important to, to point out that this is not just changing belief system or going from, well, I'm not, not going to trust it, I'm going to trust that. It is so ingrained in us. It is, in a way, it is like it's, it, it, it is in the cells, in the, the cells of the body. That's how deeply we trust it. It's so deep, right? It's so ingrained. So we cannot just mentally or, or, or intellectually trust something else. Mm -hmm. That's why realization is experiential has to be experiential. And even then, it doesn't mean that from that point on, you're done. 
they're still dealing with the fact that it is in your in the cells of your body the depth of the trust that we have uh, developed we don't even know how deeply it goes right? we don't know how how far it goes in us mm -hmm. So there's also that, right? So there is the realization, but it's also dealing for the rest of our lives, dealing with the fact that we have we have been indoctrinated in a way, or it's ingrained in us, and we have to do it. Yeah. Not going. Which though we talks about and say as far as practice, the practice continues. Realize, but and that's the next one too, the next paragraph. No matter how deep you realize, you have to keep practicing. Yes. So, <coughs> so the moon could be anything that we take as a substance, right? And uh, yes, it's yes. the non-substantiality of the image in the water that is turning all experienced phenomena, all experienced things into non-substance. That the essence is there in all substance, in all things. But what we take as things, what we take as substance. Right. But then we don't, we, 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 we see it limited, in a limited way. We see it in a limited, so we think, well, there's something to protect. I, got, I see that moon, you know, maybe I'll put a fence around it, or protect it, right? Because look at it, the image, I'm going to keep it. But then, of course. Or I make a lake, as, as the Japanese do, for reflecting the moon. Yeah, make a um, lake. And my reflection is. Better than your reflection, because right. my life is better than your life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Reflects it uh, more days in a year. <laughs> right. right. When in reality, the moon is never disturbed, right? Yeah? Right. Never bothered. But, but the, point, the point is that it, it's, about it, it's reflected equally in a, in a, in a dudra as it is in the ocean. Right? It's always reflected, regardless of the size. Mm -hmm. But isn't this, I mean, that water is us, is that water which like, you know, it shakes or the clouds are on top of it and we don't see the moon always, we always see a, a, a different view of the moon because the water moves. <coughs> we keep yeah. it, continue, we're trying to keep it place steady, we will have probably a better view. Our eyes are not on the source, our eyes are on the reflection. Right, so we look at the reflection and we don't understand that the reflection is not coming from the reflection. It's, it's coming, there is a source. Right, so it's not that we have to change that and I go run after the source in a way that I can grasp the soul. It's not that, you have to realize at that moment that what's being reflected is, or the source is reflected in all things. You see, I think Hafiz said, that uh, everybody knows that the ocean, that the drop of, uh, uh, of the ocean is absorbed into the ocean. He said, few people know that the entire ocean is absorbed into a drop of water. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's a, again, image, right? But it's a very nice imagery because the entire ocean is a drop. But, that's but when the drop doesn't see that, when the drop does not feel that, then the drop feels separated from the ocean and wants to find a way to merge or maybe fights other jobs on the way to merging with the ocean, right? 
So I mean, you keep going with that analogy, but it's a good, it's a good analogy or imagery. So yeah. when, you, when you said that, something kind of sparked. When you said the source is shining in the, in the lake, mm -hmm. in the water, you're referring to the moon as being that source? Yeah, the moon, because the moon in, in this case is, is a right, image. Right, no, but, yeah. but, but what came to me is the fact that the source that you mentioned is not just the moon. It's everything that exists. Mm. Yeah. That allows that moon to be a source of light shining in the lake. Yes, and that is indestructible. And that, yeah, I mean, that just... Yeah. But that's what you were saying, that's what, what you were talking before about, you know, I, will, I cannot grasp it, or the vastness of it, right? And it's true. It's ungraspable. But yet, being ungraspable, being ungraspable, it always manifests. It always always reflected in all things. You can't catch it. Yeah. But there's nothing that it is not manifest, that it does not manifest it. Equally. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the, the ability of each individual to see larger perspective and reflect reflect the yeah. whole world but we make it sometimes very narrow like limited so it's kind of our undestroyed ability to to see everything and perceive but it's we cannot grasp it because it's reflection right but we want to grasp it which creates uh it creates um unreal expectations, right, and unreal disappointments. Well, the unreal expectations create unreal disappointments, right? We try to grasp it, we, we cannot, then we get disappointed and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to realize. <laughs> <laughs> you feel that I'm sorry. I just said that to him on Friday. <laughs> and you'd be surprised how many others have also said that. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's well tried. Yes. No, and, and that goes, that ties directly with what we do trust and what we don't trust. That's why it's important to actually bring it up. Because we are trusting something. We are trusting being separated from. Yeah. Right? And we, we doubt being merged. How can I be merged? Look at me. Right? Look at me. How can this one be merged? How can I ever realize? Look at the limitations I have in my life, right? And this is how we think. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Upside down view. Right. Which creates more upside, upside downness, right? Yeah. Uh, there is something here that we have to look at. It says that realization does not destroy the person. In the same way that the moon does not make a hole in the water. Mm -hmm. How about that? What, what does that mean? What do you think it means? What's the point? Where is that? I don't know. That's in the, yeah, it's the same chapter, 9? I don't know, I forgot where. Because I read it. A few sentences down. Realization does not destroy the person as the moon does not make a hole in the water. Why, why is that important? Let's put it this way. Does it mean that there's still the individuality of the particular? Yeah. Does it mean that there, it means, okay, it means that there is no need to, okay, 
there is still the individuality, the uniqueness, right? The, which has never been and never will be. Right? There is still that. So it's unique at the same time it is merged. At the same time, you know, the same reflection is there. But yeah, nothing is destroyed, nothing is left behind. We're not becoming anything different. But it means the whole package, the good and the bad and the between, right? Mm -hmm. Which also can help the expectation that, you know, well, going from, you know, thinking going from, from samsara to nirvana, when I get to nirvana, all that stuff is gone, right? This is, you know, remember the con from last week, you know, yes, go, you must all go to a place where there's no grass for 10,000 miles. And that's the that's the that's probably illusion. That's the feeling that when, when we get there, it's all clear. And I will be a different person. You know, all the other stuff that is me now will not be there there. Or a different version. But it does not destroy the person. There's no need to destroy anything. Because it's reflected in the person now, as is. And that, that is something that this is something very difficult to do because as is we don't like. Right? We don't like as is. We like a different version of it. We like something else. But it's reflected in small and big also means in that. It means that right? reflected it's reflected equally in all, even in that uh, state of being. With those circumstances that we do, it's reflected in the Anything else about that? So it, could be, it could be anything that can be reflected. Right? And it doesn't have to be the love. No, it is reflected in all things. Right. But the, the, if we're looking for some sort of special meaning to the moon, yeah. that might not be the most fruitful course to take, because it could be anything. And the moon is just the most dramatic example. Yeah. So it could be a human being being reflected in, in dewdrops. Um, actually, we had an experience for some of I'm thinking of this. Um, at the last eclipse, um, if you make your little objects so that you can see the eclipse, right? Um, but any tree with leaves has a hundred focal points within the leaves that focus the eclipse onto the ground. And if you look on the ground, there's hundreds of eclipses going on uh, while you're looking in your one little eclipse. Um, somehow that image is um, connecting with, with the discussion that there's, there's all of these images, um, and all of them might be generated in very different ways, um, but they're essentially all the same. Right, everything is reflected in everything, right? Everything is reflected in everything, right? Everything is, yeah, because within that totality, of the total dynamic functioning, everything happens within that. I think so, it's just because the moon is a source of warmth. It's not really a source, it's own source of light, but it's a source of light. Yeah. And I think light um, brings out a very prominent um, idea. 
Yeah, you know, and, and this is the point, you know, you want to not get caught up in one imagery or another, and to really ask, you know, what what is it pointing at? But isn't the moon actually, it's not the source of light or anything, it's just life reflected to us. The moon reflects the light of the sun. In, in us being the water. And if you're unclear of the light, I mean, if you, you, you can't you see anything without light, so and yet all of us are sources of light. Mm -hmm. None of us will ever be seen unless we're reflecting light in some sense. And in some sense, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's, that's you, are the moon. <laughs> you are the moon, and the moon is you. Yeah. Congratulations. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. So anyway, let's, look, let's keep looking at this. Uh, same one down that paragraph. The depth is the same as the height. To investigate the significance of the length and brevity of time, we should consider whether the water is great or small and understand the size of the moon in the sky. What, what does that mean, that investigation? We're following the same paragraph, right? That's the same one. That's that's. It's chapter nine. Yes. Yeah. It's chapter nine, but you know, if you read, if you look at the text. What page? He doesn't know. Yes, the, the text, paragraph nine. You know the. Okay, so we're looking at the moon in the water, right? Yes. Okay, so the same one, right? It says. Realization uh, does not destroy the person, as the moon okay. does not make a hole in the water. The person does not abstract realization, as a drop of dew does not abstract the moon in the sky. The depth is the same as the height. To investigate the significance of the length and brevity of time, we should consider whether the water is great or small and understand the size of the moon in the water. Right. So we are, we are on, on the same paragraph, mm -hmm. on the same uh, part in the, in the text. Okay. So, any thoughts about that? Whether the water is great or small and understand the size of the moon in the sky. How do we understand the size of the moon in the sky? Okay. Oh. Well, he says we have to investigate. How do we investigate? There's a poem by uh, Baoji, who is a disciple of Matsu. It says, the perfect circle of the mind moon Mind moon, using it as one word, is alone. Its light swallows 10,000 things. The light does not illuminate objects, neither do objects exist. The light and objects both cease to exist. What is this? This is a way to, uh, to begin investigation. What is this? Realizing, seeing the, the magnanimity of it, right? Realizing that, now how do we investigate? How do we, how do we investigate what we cannot grasp intellectually? Well, how do we investigate anything? For yeah. that matter? How do we investigate? It's to experience it. Well, right, to experience it, okay. Yeah, it's, it's to make a conscious effort to mm -hmm. go out and look at the moon. 
and, um, and or look at it in comparison to the sky that it's in or the boat that we're in on the lake or whatever it happens to be. The moon is reflected in you. What do you investigate? I would imagine I would investigate you know, how that makes me feel. You know, what, what is that saying to me? How does that speak to me? Okay, how does it manifest in me? How do I manifest that reflection? How does my life manifest that reflection? What? How does it function in me? Or how does the totality function in me? Right? It's reflected equally in all things. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have to go to all things. Right. We are all things. Right. Well, what does it come back to? This investigation, what do we do? No, what do we do? What, what are we here to do? What are we sitting on? We investigate ourselves. We investigate. So, we are what we need to investigate. So, yeah, what does it mean to investigate in this case? Because that doesn't assume that there is something there to, to check. Well, I think, I think it has to begin from uh, uh, a recognition that there is limitation to <clears throat> my understanding, right? So then, in a way, what I think I am has to be, for, for the time being, maybe I should put inside and examine and not believe what I know. Not believe and, and then follow that, but examine and investigate what I don't know, I uh, investigate the vastness of it. Mm -hmm. So, right? you know why, basically, you, know, you don't read the book about the food, you taste the food. Yeah, well, you like? eat it right. You take the book, you follow the recipe, and then you eat the food. <laughs> you need the book for that. Yeah, but we're, inve we're investigating the depths of ourselves by investigating things that are outside us. Um, that are still part of us. I think the investigator is not a conscious, it's not a right, it's a logical Okay. It has, there has to be an intention there. This is, you know, it is important to raise the intention to investigate. And, and this is right. So you want to raise the intention to investigate, to go deep into it. Mm -hmm. How? By experiencing it further and further and further. Com continuous investigation, mm -hmm. continuous study. But knowing there's no boundary and there's no limit. And just keep right. going deeper into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> right. If you, right. And that, that's good. That's actually good in relation to if we are investigating something that uh, is great, then we have to investigate it in a great way. If we investigate it in a limited way, we are not investigating what is great. How do we know when it's limited? How do we know it's unlimited? Look at your life. You, you look at your life and you look at what is uh, trapping you, and then you know where is the investigation hindered. And then you work on that and you expand there. You see? Because it's there. Because the. the the solution is there. The problem is... Right. 
So you, we look, we do, we do the investigation and in personal level, on personal level, <coughs> and <coughs> internet level. <coughs> the only way that that investigation can happen is because all things are interconnected. Right. That's why. So when Billy's making the investigation is not a self in any separate sense as we think it is, like making the intention to do the investigation. But the only reason that the investigation could ever succeed is because all things are interconnected. That's and why. That within me, that's when one corner is raised, the other three corners are there. You've heard that expression, right? When one corner, if you take a cushion, when one corner, you study one corner of the cushion of the Zabuton, you understand the cushion. Not that you grasp it in a way that you know you have to hold it in, a way, in some way, right? But you study this, you study this, right? You study the one, you study the many. Mm -hmm. So we have access to what we need to investigate all the time. <coughs> you can get caught up in thinking that by studying the one you're understanding, the one. In what way? In its separation. Right. So then the study, right, so the study in a way is, is disturbed or is uh, influenced by something that we bring to the study. The idea of separate existence. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But the study has to be, has to include the idea of separate existence. Right? It has to include that. Is it? Am I? Separated. I know I feel separated, but am I really separated? Right? So that's <coughs> included in the in the in the study. Yeah. Which is which is a challenge, right? Because you know, then we ask, well, what do I begin to study? What, what is the baseline? <laughs> right? It goes before and before and before. Where do we begin? I think it leaves us with the experience of this, but with a raw experience of this, just as it is. Plain, raw, uh, without adding flavors to it. Without adding colors. So. Yeah? Move on? Okay. So, ten, when, when the Dharma has not yet fully penetrated body and mind, one thinks one is already filled with it. When the Dharma fills body and mind, one thinks something is still lacking. For example, when we sail a boat into the ocean beyond sight and of land and our eyes scan the horizon in four directions, it simply looks like a circle. No other shape appears. This great ocean, however, is neither round nor square. It, is, it has inexhaustible characteristics. To a fish, it looks like a palace. To a heavenly being, a jeweled necklace. To us, as far as our eyes can see, it looks like a circle. All the myriad things are like this. Within the dusty world and beyond, there are innumerable aspects and characteristics. We only see or grasp as far as the power of our eyes of study and practice can see of our eyes of study, right? It's not just physical eyes, but our ability to see. When we listen to the reality of the myriad things, we must know that there are inexhaustible characteristics 
in both ocean and mountains. And there are many other worlds in the four directions. This is true not only in the external world, but also right under our feet or within a single drop of water. Chapter 10. Yeah. Page 142. So this is, you know, what he's saying is that to realize unity is not yet realization, right? So realization, as we chant in Sandhuka, to encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment. Right in the beginning, he's talking about that. But when we look at when the Dharma has not yet fully penetrated body and mind, one thinks one is already filled with it. And it can actually feel like that when you realize that we have different, you know, different degrees of realization, but realization can feel by itself complete. And it can halt or, or change the way we, we do the investigation from that point on. Right? We talk about investigating. So we figure, well, I got it. But then, and then and that's what he's saying, that at that point, we have to be careful. Not to stop, not to create a new version of a person out of that. Which is something that uh, many Korans want. Remember Joshua's famous Quran about you know somebody coming in, have you had breakfast yet? The guy said yes. He said, well now go wash your balls. You think you got something? Get rid of it. Because that will trap you. So, now, let me ask you, why, why would that be then when the Dharma fills body and mind, one thinks something is still lacking? Actually, um was listening to something from Carl Sagan that kind of deals with this, um, who was, I think everyone knows, he did a lot with space exploration and thinking about the universe. And he kind of described it as if your realm of knowledge is a point and what you don't know is kind of the perimeter of this point, you kind of feel like, oh, there's not that much I don't know. But if you understand a big circle, and your understand or your lack of understanding is the perimeter of this big circle. You feel like, wow, there's actually a lot that I, I don't know. It's this whole area out here, and so kind of as you expand your knowledge about anything, the dharma or space, you can see more and more that you don't know. So it feels a little bit more like it's lacking. The more you know, the more you understand that I don't actually know. <laughs> the more you know, the more you know. And so that I think that um, leads to understanding that you know there's there's always something deeper to understand, farther to go, and it's kind of boundless. Yeah. So the more we know, okay. So the the, the further we dive into that vastness, right? The, the more we realize that it's unlimited. Right? The more we realize the the, the, the the unlimited aspect of it, but at the same time there is the limited aspect of our, our ability to see. But see, what we see is limited, but the ability to see is in a way not limited, right? What we see is limited because what we see, right? So, so that is. But then at the same time, what we see is not limited to what we see to the way we see. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because we're seeing the same ocean that is vast, 
but we're not seeing it as fast. Right. We're seeing it in a, a limited. Mm -hmm. It seems as if there is an end. Yeah. But that end is an illusion. Yeah. We cannot deny that you know the eye cannot see beyond that horizon line. Right. You, you can't deny that. But you also cannot deny the fact that what you see is not does not end where you see it ending. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just that when we go by only what we see and then in a way create a life based on that, then that life is, is, is an illusion. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not real. It's not based on something real. It's based on an illusion of a limited line of me and then you. So it's undeniable that that's all I see. But at the same time, it's undeniable that all I see is all includes you too. And that's that's the depth of practice actually. It's, uh, this is this is the, I think this is one of the beautiful aspects about looking at the Genjo Kwan because it, it relates to our lives, but at the same time it connects what it connects our lives to the vastness of all things. No, I was just thinking that you know, in modern notion, there is a circle of knowledge which you see, but as you move your life, in your right. boat, right. that circle moves, and you see different things, and you see different things, yeah. and in a way, it's inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible, right? As long as you are, as long as you, okay. So the movement, in a way, is the investigation, right? Because if I will, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to just you know put an anchor. Yeah, when you close so your eyes, you, you open them up. It's like that is the place. Yeah. So right. So to not to not to not be uh, still, right? To not sit on it, right? To keep moving is to keep exploring. Kind of the analogy of the ocean. You keep exploring. And I mentioned that before. One thing about this that maybe we should uh, uh, appreciate about Rogan's uh, exploration is that while he was on the boat, he was studying the dog. He was exploring. He wasn't just waiting for the journey to end. So he can arrive to China, to China and then begin study there. He was studying on the way. We always study. We always, can always our circle continuously moving yeah. just for us to be able to, to see it. Yeah, but that's the intention, right? If we have the intention, you wake up in the morning and you have the intention to study your life today, how does that change your life? Right? If you wake up in the morning and you begin the day by raising the intention to study today, study your life today, right? what does that do? Isn't that not appreciate your life? That's a lot, actually. Well, appreciation comes out of that, right? There's a lot there, right? I mean, just to think about that. You wake up in the morning and you... You, you step back and just take a look at yeah. your day and how you react to your day. You can learn and just react. It's, it's counterintuitive in a way, right? It's not how most, most of us uh, start the day. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, oh, this again and that again and this again. And again. And just like, let me get through that so I can get to... Yeah, even that takes away. <laughs> right. That takes a certain level of awareness just to think that. 
But yeah, I think I think that's huge too. Well, it slows things down in a way, right? Because to investigate, you gotta pay attention. To pay attention, you have to slow down. And then you begin to see. Yeah, it's a, it's a conscious effort to be aware. Right. And knowing that you will see more and more and more and more and more, right? Because your one is not limited. The, the, right, the capacity of awareness is not limited mm. to how much awareness you generate right now. Right. Like we can say, well, you know, my awareness right now you know, is, is limited, right? Yeah. But the capacity of awareness is not limited. And the only way to tap that capacity and to keep exploring is to raise the intention on a regular basis to <coughs> study the self, forget the self, be verified by the myriad things. Yeah. <coughs> Doesn't that require other people? Um, in that, um, <coughs> I mean, we can't really study ourselves because we're in we're in a self already, and so um, yeah. and the, the anthropological problems of trying to study um, something, you bring all your baggage with you, and I think Zen seems to be pretty aware of all that baggage. Um, yeah. So, in some way, I don't know whether this is um, uh, the sense of the importance of the Sangam, or the importance of the sense of the teacher, mm -hmm. um, but that it seems, if you're going to have that intention to study yourself. You can't do it by yourself, or you just keep repeating um, the old, um, yeah. the very things that you're trying to examine are being repeated in the way that you're examining them. But to study yourself, to study others is to study yourself. To study yourself <laughs> yeah, but what I think, I think what Raisin's talking about is that uh, it very, can very easily veer off that, stray off that path of investigation, maybe believing that we are investigating, and to keep it together, in a way, to keep the study alive, you need a sangha, you need others that will support that study, mm -hmm. right? And we need some kind of uh, collective uh, energy to generate that will keep us on that path. Otherwise, yes, we very it's easy. It's more than very easy, it's inevitable. It's inevitable, <laughs> right. True, it's inevitable yeah. to veer off, it's inevitable to stray, to believe our thoughts, to believe what we know about ourselves, right? to believe what the eyes can see. Yeah, again. So you know, you were you talking about the three treasures, and, and this is this is one of the reasons why these are considered treasures. They're essential. They're essential. You know? they're, they're the parameters of the investigation, right? And what we. I guess have to define, or have, you know, in this case, have to find as a means to go about investigating. Say, say that again. Uh, in a different way. That the three treasures are a means by which we perform the investigation. They're the parameters within which we operate while yeah. we're investigating. <laughs> they right. They keep. Okay. They put us in in in, in uh, more conducive circumstances to keep the investigation alive. That, that's what it does, right? It creates that, it creates conducive circumstances. And there, there is resistance in us, even in terms of practicing with the Sangha all night, right? There is that. Sometimes it's, you know, life-induced, right? I mean, life-connected uh, limitations, right? The life is pulling me this way, that way. And sometimes, you know, we, because we change the way we look at it, maybe we get exhausted, we get tired, I need a break, or whatever, right? 
But then where is that coming from? Right? You know, that you're investigating that voice is there trying to pull you away from it. There is that too. That's why I say it's inevitable. The, the voice will keep trying to, to pull you away from that. And it's, it's not like, you know, that guy in us. It's just that, again, it is deeply ingrained you know, in the cells of our body. What's deeply ingrained is to do the opposite of what we do when we, when we take on practice. That's what, deep, what is deeply ingrained. Mm -hmm. That's why it is radical to practice. That's why we go against the grain. And that's why it feels difficult. Not because it is difficult, essentially, but it feels difficult because we have to go against what feels naturally uh, more natural, more you know, natural inclination, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think yeah. our awareness fluctuates, and uh, if we feel this voice is always happening again, or if we have awareness of that, we don't give too much space of that. It mm -hmm. just takes some space. But if uh, our awareness fluctuates, right? If we feel sometimes it feels like it's right, so. You know, there is a big difference if we act from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, it feels natural. But if, um, you know, we always can increase capacity of awareness, but it requires work. That's what it is because uh, um, that's something is lacking. Sometimes awareness, we have ability to experience it, and sometimes it's getting clouded and we have little space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it gets clouded, right? It feels against grain when, you know, if um, if you look at that from awareness and, uh, you know, but if uh, if you go with it uh, with, with some kind of habit, uh, it it's becomes narrow, it feels natural, but it's maybe not brings us to the place where we want to be. <laughs> you know, when we go back to awareness, we realize that. You know, it was kind of old habit, which was... When you look at, at, at the way of, of the way it influenced your life, right? And, okay, what happens? What happened up to now? And, okay, so I've obeyed certain things uh, in me up to now, and here is, here is, here is where I'm at, right? So the proof is in the pudding, right? Here's where I'm at. I just look at that. Is that does this work? Does it work? You realize, well, you know, it doesn't really lead to anything. Uh, this doesn't lead to opening, to any opening, right? It leads to more contraction, leads to more problems, more issues, uh, less um, feeling of being at peace, maybe, being at ease with the way things are, right? So then we realize that, and what does that mean? It means I have to go back and look at the, at the blueprint. I mean, I have to look at, you know, where is this coming from? Why am I acting this way? Right? What am I acting this way? What do I trust? When I act? So, when the Dhamma feels body and mind, one thinks something is still lacking, and then he talks about the rising in the ocean. So, to a fish, it looks like a palace to everything, a jeweled necklace to us, as far as the eye can see, it looks like a circle. Does anybody want more tea? I'm sorry. Yeah, you can pass it over. 
So when we listen to the reality of a myriad things, we must know that there are inexhaustible characteristics in both oceans, ocean and mountains. And there are many other worlds in the four directions. This is true not only in the external world, but also right under your feet or within a single... So, so now this is one of the ways, and it does it often, right? It brings it home. It brings it home. It brings it to your life. So he talks about he talks about how the law or how that the greatness manifests in you, or the fact that it is, it does manifest in you. Right? And and this is one of the more important things or aspects of our practices or about what we study is to not study it in an external way, to study it and relate it immediately to what we're dealing with in our life, to the challenges that we are facing right now. Right? Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. if we don't do that, what we do is we're going to create a, a bubble, or, or a world within a world. So I'm going to read a little bit from Okamura. Okamura says, uh, here Dogen is discussing the matter of living as an original person based on the clear insight that all things are empty, lacking independent existence. Realization without actualization is like wisdom without compassion. Right? So to fully realize wisdom is to fully actualize it through compassionate action on a momentary basis. So to be stuck I mean, we can be stuck even, even with realization, within realization, feeling like we got somewhere. Right? But so so the, 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 the aspect of continuation is essential, which is supported by, as Reza mentioned, supported by uh, the workings of the sunlight and everything we do as a sunlight. It's an important point to, uh, to bring up. Because, of course, our self-centeredness is so ingrained in us, right? We have to keep going. And also, we have to understand that realization doesn't come and erase that being so ingrained in us. It doesn't change that, necessarily. Right? It's there. But then there is, but then what does change is that the ability to see changes, right? So we can see maybe how stuck we are, or how much we have believed uh, the story, how much we obey. And that's helpful. So Kumula is, is uh, quoting from his uh, teacher, Sawaki Roshi, who said, uh, also said, uh, people often say, in my opinion, blah, 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 right? And anyway, my opinion is no good. Right? So keep your mouth shut. Uh, keeping our mouth shut does not mean to stop thinking or even stop talking. It means to try to see true reality more and more clearly and deeply as we strive to broaden our perspectives rather than simply using words or thoughts to justify our own limited view. Which is really the, the point of, of, of Zazen, right? You know, as long as we are moving and talking and acting, we are being moved by seeing the, the limited line of the horizon, 
right? This is where things end. And I'm going to speak and act based on that limitation. So when we stop speaking, we stop moving, we begin to see, and we have a chance to begin to see that things are much larger than what we think they are, or the way we think they are, or, or larger than they appear. What is that on the mirror, on the side view mirror? Those things are larger yeah. than they appear. Oh, that's true. Right? Closer, closer than they appear. Closer than they appear. Just a mirror, closer than they appear. Right. There you go. So we have teachings right there. That's a Every one of us, all Carl's, are equipped with that. Carl's come with the Dharma teachings. Huh? Well, you, know, you know what? It is mandatory. In that line of thinking, I, I just remember the time when I was, I was pissed off at somebody who cut me off in the car. Yeah. And then some other car passes me and gets in front of me and says, chill. <laughs> <laughs> it says chill, and I think it was like, okay. Good advice. <clears throat> okay, so we move on. Anything else to add to that? Actually, uh, before we move on, there's just one more thing about that, that uh, in the book, it could be helpful for us. So then, passing off on the show again, the title, Ika no Myoju. Uh, said once when Zwanja was leaving his teacher's monastery to visit other masters, he stubbed his toe on a stone. As his toe bled and he experienced terrible pain, Zwanja suddenly experienced deep insight and said, This body is non existent. Where does this pain come from? You know, Kumula commented on that saying, In studying Mayana Buddhism, we learned that the body is empty, merely a collection of five standards that does, does not really exist. And yet, when a part of the body is as small as the toe is injured, we experience terrible pain. If the body is empty, where does the pain come from? For Zhuangxia, this was not a question he needed to answer, but rather an expression of reality. So to see the emptiness of all things, or to see that the body and mind are just a collection of the five standards, is exactly the same as seeing the ocean as one circle, to see, to see the limitation. So, there is the experience, but that experience is not limited to the pain in that instance. So the eye as a sense organ is limited as the five senses, but the limitation happens within the vastness of the ocean. So there is the limitation, but then it happens within that which is unlimited, that which is vast. Where are we now? We are moving on to 11. Okay, so I don't know, you have the page? Um, number? Yeah, I do, it's 157. Okay. When a fish swims, no matter how far it swims, it doesn't reach the end of the water. When a bird flies, no matter how high it flies, it cannot reach the end of the sky. When the birds need, when the birds need or the fish's need is great, the range is great. When the need is small, the range is small. In this way, each fish and each bird uses the whole space and vigorously acts in every every place. However, if a bird departs from the sky or a fish leaves the water, it immediately dies. We should know that for a fish, water is life. For a bird, the sky is life. A bird is life, a fish is life. Life is a bird. Life is a fish. And we should go beyond this. 
there is practice enlightenment and there is practice enlightenment, this is the way of living beings. Now, what does it mean? When the need is great, the range is great. When the need is small, the range is small. You have looked at it, right? So what does it mean? Isn't that the same thing? Like everything is there, you just have to be able to see it. So if you need more, you need more, you need less, it's less, but it's just there. Reality meets you fully, where you are, and the need, the, what you need. Life provides what you need at the moment that it is needed, but it is provided, but it, is, it shows up fully. It, it doesn't show up in a limited way. It meets you where you are, right? You pick up your foot, you put it down, the ground is there to meet you, right? But the same exact, so for example, you know, you, you the size of your foot, right? The, the, this ground meets you, but the ground is not limited to the size of your foot. You don't need more ground than the size of that foot, do you? But it's like about the future of the bird, as long as it's whatever it needs in the air, it's there. But the moment you live it, you die. How do you live it? Well, well let's forward. You're jumping in. Well, let's stay with it for now. Then we live. So when the need is great, the capacity. Well, so the capacity is not limited to what is provided at that moment. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when the need is great, the range is great. When is the range not great? So when it's not needed. Well, actually, it would always be right because it's the, the vastness of the It's always the greatness of the range shows up to meet you at the moment that you need it. The greatness shows up. Mm -hmm. There is a limitation. Do you remember? Do you remember every creature fully covers the ground on which it stands? Let's go with two, right? Every creature fully covers the ground on which it stands. So, in a way, an ant doesn't cover less ground than the elephant. I mean, you can say, well, right. it does, <laughs> but it doesn't need more than that. It doesn't need the same amount of earth that that the elephant needs. Right. If it grows, it will. But at the moment that it walks around, the need, the need, a bit, the, the, the need meets, or reality meets the need perfectly. Yeah, my personal experience with that was starting my own business. And then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going from working 40 hours a week for most of my life, and then all of a sudden realizing, well, I gotta work longer hours, and I never thought it was possible. But now, you know, I know I can work 80 hours a week if I had to. <laughs> Because the need was there, and right. I, I, you know, tested my limits, and I realized, okay, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> right, but the capacity was always there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. no capacity, you just didn't know. Yeah. So if you trusted a thought that says that nah, there's no way I can do that, how would that change your life? Yeah. But when you take a chance, trusting that capacity is not limited to my view. Yeah. Of myself. Then what? 
Yes. The world is yours. Good. No, never mind. That's a good. That's it. That's yeah. better than yeah, worthless. So we can't go on. Yeah. Right? It's 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 endless. Because it's endless. But what's incredible about that that it does affect our lives in the most intimate, practical way. Right? I mean, to understand that affects our lives immediately. Practically. Because it opens things up. Totally opens things up. It, it, even, even to a point where you know, it can eliminate fear and doubt from your life. While experiencing fear and doubt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't eradicate delete. It. Correct. But it is, it, is, it is opening it up in a way that, yes, I know I feel this way, but I know that the way I feel is not indicative of the vastness. Right? It's not limiting the vastness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else? For that? When the need is great, the range is great. So uh, here um, he's equating it to the uh, section <coughs> for, from uh, Zazen Shin. He's actually equating this uh, with uh, Zazen. You see? So the essential function of each Buddha and the functioning essence of each ancestor, knowing without touching things, illuminating without facing objects. Knowing without touching things, the wisdom is by nature inconspicuous. Illuminating without facing objects, the illumination is by nature subtle. The wisdom by nature inconspicuous never has discriminative thoughts. The illumination by nature subtle never has the slightest separation. The wisdom that never has discriminative thoughts has no dichotomy but sees oneness. The illumination that never has the slightest separation has no attachment, but is evident. The water is clear to the bottom. The fish is swimming slowly, slowly. The sky is infinitely vast. The bird is flying far, far away. So that's another uh, instance that Dogen is using the vastness of the ocean, the vastness of the sky, in relation to the fish swimming. So, evident. Is it evident? And how do we verify it? So how do we verify the vastness? How do you verify the vastness? Realize that? Would you trust it? You have to trust. Right. Well, but right, the, but trust, no, the trust, the trust is not. I mean, okay, so there is, there is trust, but the trust is something that we, you see, it has to be actualized in a way, right? It has to be to be verified by the myriad things. Means what? But when you trust something, do you think that you will verify or anything? You don't check anything. You just how do you verify the theory? How do you verify the theory? I mean, it 
words. Where does your trust come? To, how does it need to be verified by the myriad things? Let's just go back to what Billy was saying earlier. To be verified by the myriad things. But what are the myriad things? Everything. Okay. So here, when you pick out the teeth, right? The cup of teeth. That's it. And you're verified by the experience of drinking it. You're verified. Right? It is verified through experience, through expression. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm confused about does it, that anything has to be verified versus just. Well, do you have to pick up tea? You pick up you have to search for well, whether you, you realize they're not verified. That's correct. So you maybe it's an implicit verification, but it's like. That to me is verified means to like question that there is something or there is something not. But the question is how do you verify it? How do you verify you? And you do that by doing, by actualizing you whatever, do it. Whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. Nobody, nobody wants to pick up a cup and says, yeah, I need to verify, verify myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't end that way. True. Well, actually, it does, right? Because it, it just. It doesn't. <laughs> By experience? <laughs> by experience reality, experience? By, by opening up the reality more and more. More and more by obeying more of that than what we think about it, by following reality more than what we believe it to be. So by not creating a fixed sense of anything. So <laughs> if you think, you don't verify anything. Do you just think? <laughs> all the then I, I think therefore I am. I just Look, to, to verify is to experience and to investigate, to keep investigating. To be verified by the real things is to, to, to continue to investigate. How? By experience. But and experience is deeper. Does it include thinking as so? There's nothing wrong with thinking, right, of course, because thinking is one aspect of, of our, one of our capacities, right? It's a limited capacity, the same as the eye, right? So, actually, let's take the eye, right? The eye, the brain is a sensor, right? Mm -hmm. It's the eye, right? You see something, you feel something. So, the eye, <laughs> the eye is limited, is, is limited to, well, okay. So, there is a horizon, right? You cannot see beyond the horizon. You cannot think beyond what the mind can think. You cannot think beyond that. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, use it. Fine, use it. But then use it within the broader scope of experiencing reality, right? So it all, it's all included. <laughs> but don't limit it to what you think. Don't limit it to a thought. So all six senses. Yes. I was just going to say... What do we do now? Are we, are we not using that capacity? Right now, are we not using cognition? Are we not using intellect? Of course we are within the broader scheme of things. And then if you if you try to limit, if you use limited thought um, by defining things, like it's almost like what Shakespeare said, didn't he say there's nothing either bad or good, only thinking makes it so. Right. And so that kind of limited thinking where I'm going to identify this and identify it as bad or good or up or down or, you know, right or wrong, I'm gonna, get that dichotomy going and duality going and then I'm, I'm not using thinking in an appropriate way. 
appropriate animals. Well, the thing is to fix it. To fix it, yeah. To fix it, right? So, so those who look for me in, inside see me not. Remember that from Buddha. Yeah. If you look for me, you know, if you look for me in, in, in objects, you won't see me. It's the same. If you look for me in thought, you won't see me. It's limited. Mm. You want, you will see maybe a tiny, small perspective, but you won't experience it. So the broader scope, you can use thinking in a broader scope of experience. Yeah, just just. Add a maybe at the end of that. Yeah, I was actually sitting today. Just add a maybe. I got that feeling. Maybe. Like yeah, it's like not. Like now we get so. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know that she did this or he did that or whatever. I know, I know. Maybe I don't. Or at the end of every sentence, you add a maybe. We don't have to vocalize it, but I think if we just. Add it as a thought. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know what this is. Maybe I don't know what I said. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, which, again, it keeps the investigation going. Just maybe. That reminded me of Dongshan's. Seeing with the ear and hearing with the yeah, eye, yeah. so it's kind of broadened the experience, not caught them with one way. Right, because the eye connects to the you know to the thought, the mind, right, the brain, and then there are interpretations, and that becomes very uh, solidified very mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. It becomes absolute. In our minds, it's absolute. I know who I am. I know what I'm not. I know what I'm capable of. I know, I know I'm limited, for example, right? That, that's common. I know I'm limited. So, all right, so we're going to look at the last paragraph and then wrap it up with that. So therefore, if there are fish that would swim or birds that would fly only after investigating the entire ocean or sky, they would find another path to more place. When we make this very place our own, our practice becomes the actualization of reality. When we make this path our own, our activity naturally becomes actualized reality. This path, this place, is neither big nor small, neither self nor others. It has not existed before this moment, nor it has come into existence now. Therefore, the reality of all things is thus. In the same way, when a person engages in practice enlightenment in the Buddha way, as the person realizes one Dharma, the person permeates that Dharma. As the person encounters one practice, the person fully practices that practice. For this, there is a place and a path. The boundary of the known is not clear. This is because the known, which appears limited, is born and practiced simultaneously with the complete penetration of the Buddha Dharma, of the Anunnaki. We should not think that what we have attained is conceived by ourselves and known by our discriminating mind. Although complete enlightenment is immediately actualized, its intimacy is such that it is not necessarily formed as a view. In fact, viewing is not something to fix. So, 
Viewing is not something fixed. Thinking is not something fixed. Anything is not fixed. Smelling it, touching it, experiencing is not fixed to the experience mm -hmm. or to the thoughts. So, any any thoughts about that? Any any comments about that that you wanna add to conclude? Well, I think that last last paragraph is 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 very clear in a way that it is it brings it home. Right? It brings it to our practice. It also brings it to, to the fact that, or to the realization that, to whatever extent we have been, or we have practiced, to whatever extent we have realized, it is still a full realization in a way. Not that it's, it ends anything, but it's still complete. Right? So it, every step is complete. And yet, we keep moving. We don't stop. We don't stop investigating. We don't stop exploring. We don't stop expanding. Do you raise your hand or scratching? No, scratching. <laughs> okay. That's something. Um, <coughs> yeah, so, and then he's also talking about the fact that there is, it's not small, it's not big. Right? It's not big, it's not small. Because the, the, the small is contained within the large. And the large manifests as the small, so it's neither this nor that. Does it work? Yeah. There's a lot there. You know, kind of yes. Right. There's a lot there, and then this is a way. This is a good way to to uh, to end this by by seeing that there's a lot there. By seeing that we are kind of. Just getting maybe a hang of you know what he's talking about, but then how do I how do I actualize it? What do I do with it? How do I go deeper into that? So when the Dharma fully penetrates one's body and mind, there is still something. Or lacking, maybe the word lacking, I don't know exactly what the word, you know, word there, but lacking not not that it's not there. Not in that sense, but there is still uh, a need to raise, to, to keep the investigation going. Mm -hmm. There's still more. Right, there's still more that we cannot experience, right? Nothing. So, but we are in the ocean, in the same ocean, mm -hmm. but what we can see is limited. Mm -hmm. So we keep going. Mm -hmm. It makes sense, it makes perfect sense to keep explore for the rest of our lives actually. Right? But it's <coughs> there's something sometimes when you say that there's more it makes your current experience incomplete and unsatisfactory. Well if it's quantified I think that's there's a possibility of more or there has to be an opening to more, but <coughs> whatever the experience is at the moment is also Fine as it is. Right. Because, right. If so that more shouldn't be a, a judgment of some sort. Or a goal. Right. Right? I want more. And that, that right, that's important to, to recognize that. But that's why he's saying that there is no big and there is no, there is no small or large. There is no vast or, because it's all there. It's all there. So it's not more in the sense of I want more and I will get it at some point. 
it's going to be more according to my experience as a finite and limited being as I conceptualize myself. Yeah. But it's going to be more of the same. Yes, more of the same. Right, more of the same. But then you know, some people say, oh, oh then why bother? <laughs> right? Because it's more of the same, then why bother? But in a sense, it, you know, it, it actually can help the way we investigate. So there's no stress in the investigation. There's no like, I hate it, I hate it, you know? No. Chill out. Don't worry about it. Remember that if you want to this slogan, if you want to be a person of suchness that practice suchness without delay. Being that you are already such a person, why worry about such a thing? Remember that? You're already such a person, why worry about it? Practice, investigate, but don't worry about it. Because you already are such a person, a person of suchness. Which is saying practice without delay and saying don't worry about it at the same time, right? Right. So yeah, that's good to conclude with that. Can we see it like capacity for awareness? Say Is it like capacity for awareness, what you say? Unlimited capacity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The capacity is unlimited. So you're, you are a person of suchness. But unless you practice it, you won't realize it. Unless you realize it, you won't actualize it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.